right. Well, good morning, New Path. Let's declare together, God is good and all the time. Amen. We serve a good God. Well, today we're going to take uh, about 30 minutes to share uh, our, the vision that God has given to us for the future of New Path. And, and then as uh, Corey said, we'll take a, just a, a five-minute break, come back and do about a uh, 10 or a short uh, presentation, business kind of more presentation, and then break for lunch and get to hang out together. And uh, we're looking forward to that. So with that, let me just pray one more time and ask God to really speak to our hearts. Lord, you are the God of wisdom and revelation, and we pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts to behold you, because everything goes back to you. You're our source. Lord, you're our alpha and you're our omega. You're the beginning and the end. We thank you that you've invited us into a relationship with you, and that we journey with you through this life, and we want to give you glory and bring you glory, and make you known in the earth, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Well, the, um, you know, our, our mission as a church is to know Christ and to make him known. And there's, uh, we're gonna share more of what God has been saying to us recently, but I just wanna say that that, that uh, mission statement says so much. It's, it's loaded with truth, loaded with nuggets about our relationship with him to know Christ. When you're called uh, into salvation, it's really you start a journey with the Lord and it's about following him. And then we want to make him known as he changes us to be like him. We want others to know him. So let's just go to the, to, to the next slide real quick. And uh, uh, what, we wanted to, what I want to talk about today is this, is that there's three words that God has gave to us when we went off as a, uh, as a pastoral staff to seek the Lord. He gave us three words. The first was to be fruitful and to multiply. The second was to have a, commu- uh, to have a uh, uh, kingdom mindset. And the third was to build community. So the Lord said, be fruitful and multiply, have a kingdom mindset and uh, build community. So those are the three words that God gave to us. And I'll just tell you the story real quick about, about why it's important to hear from God. Uh, in the scriptures, there's a scripture in Matthew 16, uh, verse 16 through 18. Uh, the disciples are up at a place called uh, Caesarea Philippi. And in that place, there's several... Um, I, there were several t- shrines to different gods. It's, uh, Pan was there and the Greek, some of the Greek gods, other gods. Also, there were statues to Caesar. There were other and Roman gods that were there. It was kind of a recreational place up in the mountains of, of northern Israel. And Jesus went there and he took his disciples and he turned to them and he said, who do men say that I am? And as he said that, they gave out different ideas. Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Elisha, and they went on. And then Jesus said, okay, well, who do you say I am? And Peter is the one who stepped up. And when Peter stepped up, he said, he said, you, know, that, he said you are the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're, you're the anointed one. You're the one who's come to save us. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my father who is in heaven. He said, you just got a revelation from your father in heaven and, and he's, he's opened your mind and heart to understand who I am. And then he said to Peter, 
he said, um, I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. So he said, you're Peter, and, and in the Greek, it was a play on words. He said, you're Petros, but on Petra, I'm going to build my church. He said, what he was saying was, he said, you're like a little pebble, but that rock of that revelation you just got, the gospel, the good news, the fact that I'm the Messiah and I've come to save mankind through the cross. That revelation is what I'm gonna build or establish my church upon. And Jesus is saying that he's the one who builds the church. And I think oftentimes what we get in his way, but he said that he would build his church. It wasn't but a few days later that they came down that, that uh town and went up another hill, Mount Tabor. And on Mount Tabor is where the transfiguration took place. And Jesus took James and John and Peter with him. And he said, you other guys stay here. I'm going to go up to the mountain and we're going to seek the father together. And while they were on that mountain, they were fasting and praying and there was a vision and Jesus was transformed. He was transfigured. All of a sudden the glory that was in him shone through that body, that physical body. And he turned bright white, it says. He was, it was like a blazing light. And, and next to him came, appeared Elijah on one side and Moses on the other. And now Peter just got the word that Jesus said he was gonna build his church. But when, when uh, Peter saw this vision, he said, hey, I know what we need to do. Let's build three tents, tabernacles for each one of you. And uh, Again, Peter's bright ideas, gets in the, they get in the way of God. How many of you know that? <laughs> and so, oh, I th what happened was uh, all of a sudden there was a bright, brilliant glory of God. Father came down and a voice came out of heaven and it said, this is my son, hear him. And it must have been a fairly stern voice because it said that the disciples fell on their face and they were afraid. And, and what, what God was saying was, look, guys, we don't need your help right now. There'll be time for you to help us, but we don't need your help. We need you to serve and do what we tell you to do. And so that really is, is so much of what our journey with God is and our walk with God is. It's, it's getting weaned from self-reliance to total dependence upon him. And, and, and what's cool about it is, is that God chooses to use us. We partner with him but he is the lead man. He's the head of the church. And, and so with that, we went off to seek God and God spoke to us and he told us that uh, he gave us three words. So that we had a whiteboard and we weren't trying to come up with a strategy or a plan or, or throw out good ideas. We were actually listening to God, sitting at his feet saying, Lord, would you speak to us? And as we were doing that, the Lord spoke to me and, and I said, he told us to be fruitful and multiply. Now, I didn't, I did, that's what I heard. So we wrote that on the board. And then Pastor Perry heard the word kingdom mindset. We need to have a kingdom mindset. And, and then Pastor Robin, he heard, we need to build community. And so those three words were put onto the board, words from the Lord. And then we began to develop thought around that as we prayerfully considered what God was saying. So I'm gonna just address real quickly, but be fruitful and multiply. The goal of, of the church is, is not to grow numerically in the sense of that's not a good goal to have. The good goal, the, the, the goal to have is, 
the goal that we should have is to, is to produce mature believers. And with that, mature believers will grow the church. It's a byproduct of growing people. Church growth is not a goal. It is a byproduct of growing people. And so we want to be a growing people. Genesis 1.28 says, Then God blessed them, and he said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so he was telling them that two things. He wanted them to be fruitful, and he wanted them to, be multi uh, to multiply. And I believe that, that, that multiplication flows out of being fruitful. One, somebody once said that the definition of maturity is one who produces more than they consume. Uh, think about children. They consume a whole lot and don't produce a lot. But as they mature, they begin to become producers, and they start to produce more than they can consume. And, and that's the way the Christian life is, as we grow up in Christ. When we're, when we're babes, we, we consume and we're poured into. But as we mature, we begin to become more like Christ. And then out of that, the byproduct is multiplication. We begin to change and touch other lives. Spiritual fruitfulness is, is that God is exalted. We grow to be like him and others come to know him. And that's the, that is the fruit. And so you do grow numerically, but that isn't the goal. The focus isn't on, on getting numbers. The focus is on changing lives. And that's really important. So how do you be fruitful? John 15, two verses about uh, fruitfulness and multiply. How do we, how do we become fruitful? Uh, John 15, five says this, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in him, the one who abides in me and, and I in him will bear much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So Jesus is saying, look, life comes from me. The spiritual life, I'm the vine, and that spiritual life flows through me. And if you abide in me, if you dwell in me, if you let me dwell in you, if you have that sensitivity towards me, that heart towards me, you're feeding upon my word and you're listening to my voice and you're obeying the things that I direct you to do. If you have that sensitivity towards me and stay connected, you will be fruitful. And that fruit will be the fruit of the spirit. It'll be uh, the fruit of 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 abundant life, the fruit of the kingdom, joy and peace in the Holy Spirit and righteousness. You'll relate rightly to people. If you don't, the Holy Spirit will speak to you and correct you. And so your life will be very fruitful. You'll draw people to your, to, to, people will be drawn to you so you can point them to Jesus. Uh, it, it's an amazing thing, but we want to abide. So spend time, think about your life. Is it abiding in Christ? In our culture, our lives are so busy and so filled now with technology and, and activity that we lose that intimacy with Christ. And I, I believe that God wants us to go back to that intimacy, uh, the first love. So encourage you to say, Lord, I want to be a fruitful person. And then multiply. Multiply is when we give ministry away. We give opportunities away. We give uh, our lives away to others. So it's a dying of self and helping others be raised up. This morning during worship, if you watched, um, uh, Lauren uh, uh, had um, Ann Sophie lead some songs. 
And that's bringing her forth. It's, it's, it's so, so she has that opportunity to bless and to minister. So we want to multiply ministries. And, and that's another thing that God is saying. So that's discipleship. We want to follow Christ, help others to follow Christ, and to grow in Christ. Uh, it's, it's raising up others. And we want to do that by uh, having an equipping mindset. We don't want to... Uh, do all the teaching. We don't want to, we want to see others raised up to, to minister and to bless. We want to inspire folks to follow Christ with all their heart, provide opportunity for ministry, and then support them in it. We, I think God wants to do something very unique in our midst, and uh, it's going to take a kingdom mindset to do it. So with that, I want Pastor Perry to come and, and to share. So let's welcome Pastor Perry. Yeah, um, just as um, you know, the pastor was saying, the, the key word was, he said, I'm building my church. Now, when you start thinking about church, it takes away from kingdom. Because when you think about church, you know, people try to define church in their own way. You know, denomination, religion, or when you say church, you start thinking about the church that you used to be at and what really happened there. And so, you know, we, we have this preconceived notion about church which is contrary to what he was saying. Now think about that. When Jesus said, I'll build my church, what was saying, I'm going to build my bride. I'm going to put my bride together. Remember, he's a bridegroom. The reason is this, because he's a king and he's preparing his bride. So I want to kind of change you know, your mindset about what you've known about church based on your own experiences from your previous church or churches that you've been at, or we have all this denominational divide and, and all of that, that kind of separates us. But what he's actually saying is this, that I am building my bride. I'm adorning my bride. I'm raising my bride because I'm a king. Amen? I am a king. Now, if he is a king and we are his bride, then that means that we're supposed to be where he is, and he's in heaven. He said, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to come back. But guess what? You and I are here. Why? Because the earth is the Lord's. What he's saying is this, that the earth is a colony of the kingdom. Let me say it again. Because when, when you grow up in the Western world, you, 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 you really have, um, you know, little or no experience when it comes to kingdom. You know, I mean, um, back in Africa, you know, we have kings and, and how they rule. And so when I read scripture, it helps me to understand what really he's saying as well. But if you live in a system where it's more democratic, we vote people and all of that, we vote them out and stuff. You kind of lose really the mindset of what Jesus was really saying. I mean, a king is for life. <laughs> Jesus is a king for life. Amen. And so our goal as a church really is to build that kingdom culture or the kingdom mindset because he's saying that for us to be fruitful and multiply for us to build community we need to have a kingdom mindset and you can never have a kingdom mindset without a king now if you think about that you know a kingdom mindset really would help you to be fruitful so think about this be fruitful and multiply the king has called you and I to be fruitful and multiply so what is he saying extend my domain Extend my influence. When you see somebody on your job, you know, out in the street, and you feel like witnessing to them, know that they're part of the kingdom, and, but they don't know that. And so you're supposed to extend the king's domain, the king's influence. Jesus didn't come, 
that little baby in the manger, yes, he did. But then you have to understand that he's coming back as a king. He's coming back as a king. And he wants you and I to have that kingdom mindset. Now, our goal, like I said, as a church is to build this kingdom mindset or this kingdom because we are kingdom citizens. And, and why is it so important? It's so important because Jesus came to introduce the kingdom. He didn't come to introduce the church. He came to introduce the kingdom. Amen? He came to introduce the kingdom. And I remember uh, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, when a disciple said to him, say, teach us to pray. And this is what he said. He said, when you're going to pray, he says, talk to your father. So the father is the father of the kingdom. And the kingdom of God or the kingdom of, uh, of heaven is the same. So he said, when you're going to pray, talk to your father in heaven. That means that heaven is the mainland. The earth is a colony. And tell him for his kingdom to come, that means extend his domain so that his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we are supposed to bring heaven on earth. We are supposed to bring heaven on earth. So it says anytime you're praying, talk to the mainland, talk to heaven, talk to the one who owns the kingdom, and then tell him that extend your domain, because kingdom is really the king's domain, the king's influence. Extend that so that we can do your will on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus spoke about a kingdom 93 times. 93 times in the, old, in the New Testament, he spoke about a kingdom. That means that it's something that's important that you and I have to. And like I said, the kingdom is what the king's domain. And then the kingdom culture is really a belief system, a discipline, a practice, a behavior. And Bible says when you read now, Matthew 7, 16, it says, by their fruit you shall know them. So the way we live, you know, would really testify of our king and his kingdom. You know, uh, one thing I remember hearing, um, uh, there was this... Um, um, I, actually, I was in John Hopkins, um, you know, uh, university, actually, the hospital, and I was praying for somebody. And, and right next door, um, there was this man who was struggling, fighting for his life. And I remember I started praying for him, and I heard the Lord say, he's, he's going to pass. But he was struggling. He was screaming. He was in torment. He was in agony. And then the very next day, he passed. But then in the same vein, there was another you know, um, patient who was a Christian who passed peacefully. And I heard this nurse say, they always see the difference when a Christian passes and when an unbeliever passes. And those who work in the hospital will attest to that. There's always a difference. Because when the, when the, kin, when the Christian is passing, the king sends the angels to come and escort them home. Because the kingdom is not just here. It's an extension of what is in heaven that we have here. Amen? And so... It, and so the key is this, if, if, if you think about the culture, mindset is to do the belief system, the way we behave so that when people see us, they can attest that indeed we belong to the king. He said, let your light so shine before men that they will see your good deeds and glorify God in heaven. Amen? Now, let's, let's break it down a little bit. When you talk about the father, the father, he owns the kingdom. He's the father. The meaning of fatherhood is, is source, origin, beginning. Everything comes from him. And so he owns. And Bible says in Colossians, I think um, uh, Corinthians, 5, 1 Corinthians 15, 24, it says that Jesus, when it's all said and done, he's going to hand over the kingdom back to his father. So the father, he actually owns the kingdom. And then Jesus, he is the king of the kingdom. And then the Holy Spirit, 
guess what? He's the governor of the kingdom. You know, uh, I, I, I was born in, in, in Africa, in Ghana, and Ghana used to be a British colony. And so, I mean, uh, so the Queen of England, even though he wasn't, she wasn't living in Ghana, she was living in England, but then her reign, her influence was felt in all those colonies. And what she did was she always appointed a governor, you know, to come and stay in that colony to enforce his, her laws or to enforce her wishes. Now, the Holy Spirit, he is the governor, so the King Jesus saying that I'm going to send a governor who's the Holy Spirit. He's going to abide in you. He's going to help you. He's going to enforce the kingdom in you and through you. So that means that you are a colony of the kingdom. You are a colony of the kingdom. That means that the king really is Lord over you. The governor lives in you that you're supposed to obey as many as are led by the Spirit of God, being led of the Spirit. You know, like Pastor was saying, we went to pray, and whilst we're praying, we're saying, Lord, this is your church. You are doing, we're only, we're only stewards. So what do you want to do? And then he says, be fruitful and multiply. Kingdom mindset, community. So what are we doing? We are enforcing the will of the king. Because why? The governor revealed the mind of the king. Jesus said, he says, when he comes, he will take of me, and it will show you the mind of the king. And then we also have the angels who are what? Kingdom messengers who are always sent to the subjects of the kingdom. Because you and I are kingdom citizens. And you're also a colony of the kingdom, I mean, as well. And so now, as a kingdom citizen, when we come together as a church, New Pat is really the gathering of the colonies. Each one is a colony. And a colony is where the king has conquered and has placed his seal upon. And so we are the garden of the colonies when we come together as a church. Because why? When we come together, Jesus, he is keen. He is keen. And um, I remember asking Jesus a question. He says, um, you know, in Matthew 6, 33, you know, the disciples were inquiring of, you know, the kingdom, I believe. And he says, um, seek you first. The kingdom, Matthew 6, 33, and his righteousness and all these things shall be added. But before that, he said, don't take no thought of your, what, 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 what you want to eat or what you want to wear and, and all the daily curse and all of that. He said, the world, they worry about stuff like that. But when you become a, a citizen of the kingdom, there's a different way that we go about things. So the way we go about things, you know, in the kingdom is, he says, seek the king and his kingdom and be in right and righteousness and attitude of the kingdom and then your needs will be met. And so that's what he was saying, that you cannot be in the kingdom and think like the way the world thinks. Now, the disciples were thinking, they said, okay, Jesus, you've been talking about the kingdom. He said, where is the kingdom? He said, in you. The kingdom is within you. That's what I'm saying, that you are a colony of the kingdom. And a colony is where the king has conquered. And remember, you and I, say, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. You're my king. Come, rule and reign. And then his spirit came, the governor came to abide in you. So you are an extension of the colony of the kingdom of God. Where the governor, who's the Holy Spirit, is living in you. 
and you ought to be led by him so you can do his will. And so, having said that, if we think about that, if the kingdom is in you, that means that wherever you go, whether on your job, at home, at a marketplace, wherever, you're supposed to bring the kingdom wherever you go. You're supposed to bring the mind. When you go to work, and you have colleagues who are not Christians who come to you with problems, you're supposed to bring the king's mind into that situation. You're supposed to talk about the kingdom, the message, the good news is the message of the kingdom. You're supposed to introduce this. You know, we're like salespeople. We're supposed to sell like Corey's a good salesman. I mean, we're supposed to sell the kingdom, the king and his kingdom. We've got to tell them that's a good news. Come into the kingdom and be aligned with the things of the kingdom, and you're going to see the king do a, a beautiful work in you. And so as a church, in closing, as a church, there are... When you think about a kingdom mindset, what, what are we talking about? There's five things that the Lord really highlighted to me, and I'm going to go through them real quick. Um, and the first thing that he wants us to really focus on, uh, uh, to have a kingdom mindset is, you know, to make Jesus king and your focus. That means whatever you do in life, do it as unto him. In your marriage, in your home, parenting, in the church, in every role that you have in here, don't do it as unto the pastor or unto, say, do it as unto him. Because if he is king and he is Lord, that means whatever you do, do it as unto the king. So even when man doesn't see to celebrate you, know that your king sees it. Have the audience of one. We have to make him. Bible said, looking unto Jesus, the art and the finish of our faith. So make Jesus the central focus of your life. Number two, love is the currency of the kingdom. Loving God, loving each other, and then loving the world. It's the currency of the kingdom. You want to kind of make somebody rich? Love them. Allow God to love through you. So love is the currency of the kingdom. Number three, we are called as kingdom builders. You are a colony of the kingdom. Because right, the king, he is lord over you. His governor is in you. And you're a kingdom citizen. And wherever you go, you're supposed to extend the kingdom. And so you're supposed to be a kingdom builder on your job, in your home, wherever you go. In your sphere of influence, bring the kingdom where you are. And the kingdom is not, you know, is not a place, but is in you. And the kingdom is felt, is demonstrative. Bible says righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. All talks about the kingdom as well. And then number four, you've got as, as colonies or kingdom citizens, we have to live with a mindset of ownership and stewardship. You don't own you. You see, when you live in a kingdom, the king owns all things, including the people there. And so you have to live with a mindset that you don't own you. You didn't save yourself. He redeemed you by his blood. And so guess what? You have to live with a mindset that he is the owner. I'm only a steward. And I'm going to give an account at the end of it of my stewardship. And then the last but not least, that you have to live with a godly governance. Remember, it's the governor, the Holy Spirit that's living in you. As many as are led by my spirit. We identify by the leadership of the Holy Spirit, who's the governor that is living in you and I. And if he's going to govern through you, you're going to bring the kingdom wherever you go. Amen? Are you a kingdom builder? Are you ready to build for the king? God bless you. So welcome, Pastor Robin. So my part is practical application. The practical application of the mission vision, of the kingdom vision. So if you're, if you're, if you're sitting there saying sort of 
so what? That's, I've got a big so what for you. This fall, we're going to spend our time and our messages on building community. And one of the practical applications of building community is establishing life groups in our church. And that's where the rubber meets the road in terms of becoming fruitful as an individual and multiplying as a church. So I can say this without hesitation or apology. We will be more fruitful as individuals. We will multiply more rapidly as a church if we get all in with life groups. It's simple and it's true. Committing to a life group will help you be more fruitful. That's what I want to talk about first. So here's how I'm going to explain that. I'm a yard freak. I mean, there's just not another way to say it. I am so happy in the yard. I'm outside, my cell phone is off. I'm, I'm connected to what I'm doing and I just love the outdoors. So we started building a fire pit in our backyard about two years ago and we finally finished it and it's awesome. I'll have you over. And it's, it's sunken down a little bit and then I was looking at it and then I got this idea, I'm gonna create this, this living hedge behind it. And so there was a, there was a sale on eight cedar trees and they were just 50 bucks a piece. And I'm like, I'm doing it. This is going to be so cool. So, but my girls uh, don't get it. They don't get it. So, so, so if you, if you don't know, so we've informally adopted two Belarusian girls, two Belarusian teenagers. They've been with us full time for about two years and they will be until we're empty nesters again. But in Belarus, landscaping's not a thing. It's not a category. So I'm, I'm so excited and I'm digging these holes and they go, Robin, do you realize you're planting trees in the woods? <laughs> you know, which was an amazingly objective assessment because I kind of had to say, you know, I, I am. And their confusion got me just more excited. And so I said, look, this is, you're just not, you don't, you don't know how cool this is. So we're going to take pictures. And so I'm just going to take your picture and we're going to put you by these trees. And then you're going to come back when you're in college and you're, the trees are going to be like 20 feet tall and you're going to have grown and you're, and it's going to be the coolest place on earth. And they were just rolling their eyes. And then I, and then I have my aha. And my aha is there's eight cedar trees and I have eight children. I said, I'm going to name one after you, and I'm going to name one after you. And I named them from oldest to youngest, all the way around. But I ran into a problem. So despite all my energy and all my enthusiasm, I couldn't overcome the fact that plants need three basic things to thrive. They need, they need nutrients, and, and I pack the soil with nutrients. They need water. And I watered faithfully. I wasn't going to blow $400 because I didn't even get on the yard and water. And they need sunlight. So they were doing great till the days got short. The light got short. It was about December. And they started looking a little brown. And then, and then by Christmas, they were decidedly brown. And then by February, they were dead. <laughs> And the girls thought this was quite funny. <laughs> Your children are dead. <laughs> and I'm like, well, at least they all died. <laughs> so, I mean, here's my point. 
you can't have two of the three basics covered and thrive. It doesn't work that way. You can't have good soil and good water and not enough light and thrive. And it's that way in the kingdom. There are basics of Christian growth. In the kingdom, it's a fourfold issue. Here are the four basics of a vibrant Christian life. Community, you're sharing your life. Prayer, the word, and service. So you can't leave out one and thrive. I mean, if you don't serve, you just get fat, like lazy. If you don't have community, I promise you, you will eventually become discouraged and lose energy because you're going to have tough times and you need encouragement. If you don't pray, I mean, that's just oxygen to the lungs. And if you're not feeding on the word, you're going to miss the liberating, vibrant power of the word of God spoken over you. You have to have all four. And we have to pay attention to the basics. Gary Keller, Gary Keller of Keller Williams, who I've worked under for 10 years. So he was this amazing coach and I watched him coach. And this is, so he believed if you're going to succeed in real estate, you have to lead generate two hours a day. That's the basic. So he would coach somebody. He would start with that. What are you doing? Do you have time blocked for your two hours of lead generation? They'd be like, well, you know, I, well, what do you do during your lead generation? Well, you know, kind of, I, and then I just watched him explode one day, as he said, who gave you permission to move on when you haven't mastered the basics? And I heard that it was a word from God for me. Because the truth is, we don't pay attention to the basics. Lots of us. Our lives are so full, which is what you were talking about. They're just so full of things that are so important. You know what? They're too important. Because we're so busy, we don't practice the basics of the Christian life. If we're going to be children of the king, right? We're going to have to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and make room for those basics. Life groups are a structured way to practice the basics of the Christian life that are at the heart of fruitfulness. They're just structured around prayer, the word, sharing, and service. And so they help us grow in our fruitfulness. But they also help us multiply. So here's my question on the multiplication, the be fruitful and now the multiply. This is my question. If you had unlimited time and energy and resources, how would you change the world? You know, but we don't, do we? We don't have unlimited resources or time or energy. So, okay, if you have limited time, energy, and resources, how do you change the world? Because, you know, Jesus didn't have much time. He had three years. I've been in ministry for 30 years almost. He had three years. And he didn't have any resources. I mean, there, there's stories in scriptures. They didn't have somewhere to sleep. They didn't have food to eat. And yet in that little bit of time that he had, he changed the world. And the genius of Jesus' strategy to change the world was that he made a commitment to a few. He reached many by investing in a few. He left us the model for transforming the world. 
He poured himself into 12 ordinary men. And they were ordinary. They weren't educated. They weren't prominent in their synagogues. Acts 4.13, they're described as unlearned and ignorant. But Jesus saw in them this availability to the king. He saw in them that commitment. And he said, these guys can be world changers. And for three years, he poured in to them, knowing that he would leave and they would take over his work and they, they would be his witnesses in this world. And in this way, he multiplied himself. He could have built the biggest mega church of all time, right? People loved him. Crowds followed him. He spurned the crowds. He, he discouraged the crowds. He committed himself to a few. I'm saying if that was Jesus' primary way to win the world, why isn't it ours? And here's how it works. Okay, Kathy and I went to, I'll give you a good example. Kathy and I went to a church in, in Greensboro that we love called Westminster. We were there about a year and a half. The services were very meaningful. We loved the sermons. And after a year and a half, we still didn't know anybody. I mean, we knew the, like, the people we sat around for that service. Like we knew their names. And we just like, we're pretty social. Like, you know, but we couldn't break in. And, and so we decided we're going to go, we, we just, we need to, we need to find a church that we can become a part of. And, and maybe it's out of that experience, or maybe it's just being a pastor over the years and just watching people come. You know, the reason people come to church is not the reason people stay to church. They might come for the worship. They might come for the message or something else, the children's program. The reason they'll stay is relationships. That's why they stay. And so if we build little communities in homes across the city where we're ready to receive people and invest in them. So when they come, we can say, are you connected in the community? We have a place where people are going to learn your name. They're going to know your story. They're going to pray for you. They're going to care for you. And when that happens, that's how the magic happens. That's how discipleship happens. That's how multiplication happens because we begin to retain the people that God sends our way. They don't come and go, not having built a relationship and not having been transformed. I guarantee you transformation is much more likely in a home, in a small group than it is in a Sunday service. Like Jesus knew that. I totally believe that he preached to the masses for the benefit of the 12. They were a laboratory in which he raised them to do what he did. I believe it's the key to fruitfulness, and I believe it's the key to multiplication. And so what's it cost? And here it is. It's not much. It's an hour and a half every other week. Like, it's not a triple gainer with a triple twist. It's a basic. And in that time, you share. In that time, you're in the Word. In that time, you pray for each other. You minister to each other. And then occasionally, you do service together. It's not a huge commitment. Now, Jesus, we're designing life groups to go for a longer period of time. It's not like six weeks. So he did it for three years. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to make a three-year commitment. Maybe I should, but that's what he did. 
But of course, he probably would have gone longer if he could have. But we're just saying that you make a commitment and your group meets through May and then everybody reevaluates. How's it going? What are we going to do for the summer? What are we going to do when we start back in the fall? But it's a long-term commitment to a select group of people that are open to receiving those that God sends our way. So it's a ministry of the church and it's a ministry that you go to minister. You will get out of it what you put into it. There's four ways to be involved. You can be a facilitator. So we, we don't even say teacher because we'll give you the material. I make it so easy for facilitators. We give you the materials and then we walk through them. So the facilitator has an extra commitment, which is an hour a month being trained and supported and encouraged. So at that time, we go through the materials together that they will go through with their group. You can be a facilitator. You can be an apprentice. If you're not quite ready to facilitate, you can say, I'd like to get ready, and you can be an apprentice. And then when that group grows, hopefully that group will multiply. We'll have built-in leaders. You can be a host. We don't like facilitators to be hosts because that is a lot of work. So if you put all that on top on one person, it's too much. So if you're willing to have people in your home, you can be a host. Or you can just come and, and minister to others and be a, a member of the group. And those are the four ways to be involved. And if you'd like to do that, on your way out, you know the welcome table? We'll have sign-ups on the web. I apologize it's not there today. But, but just for today, there's a sign-up on the table. And if you're interested, I'd just like your phone number, your email, and what level of interest that you have, and we'll be in touch. We're going to roll out life groups in three weeks. We'll continue to roll them out as we continue to train facilitators. Because you've got to have the facilitator first. These are the basics. If you commit to the basics of life together, you will grow. And we will multiply. So with that said, you want to pray together? Can I just say, and I'm almost, this is, we had three preachers today and I feared for your life. <laughs> and we did it. I mean, it's 11, 12. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> a, miracle took place. a miracle happened today. Um, what a privilege. I feel so privileged to work with these guys. And like that day away that they're describing, I've never had that experience where a church being led by prayer that turned into planning. It's, it's being led by the Holy Spirit. And you guys were leading me in a walk in the Spirit. And I'm just so grateful to be with you. But you can wrap it up for us. Okay. Amen. Well, so the, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Robin. So we have be fruitful and multiply. We're called to be fruitful and multiply and uh, have a kingdom mindset and then build community. So if you've taken notes, write those down because that's what we're going to be doing by the Spirit of God and by the grace that comes through the Lord Jesus. So let's pray. And then when, when I say amen, we're going to take just a five-minute break. Some of you, uh, we're going to watch the smaller kids, I guess, and uh, then just we have some water out there. Grab some water. You can bring water in here, um, and then we're going to have the presentation. So, and it'll be quick, and then we're going to eat together. So, Father, we thank you that this church is under your lordship, that 
you are the head, Lord Jesus, and that you have granted and given us the Holy Spirit, and that you speak to us, Lord, and you lead us, and that you've called us, Lord, to be fruitful and to multiply. Lord, you've called us, Lord, to build the kingdom, to, to have that mindset that we can bring your dominion everywhere we go, Lord, your will, wherever we go. And Lord, where we get to enjoy community, we thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that you are a community. You exist in community, and you've invited us into that community. May great grace rest upon us. May we bear great fruit, much fruit for your glory. Lord, let your peace and joy and the fruit of your kingdom be upon every life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. All right, go ahead. And